Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jake. Really excited to get going into this next conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking again about the Holy Spirit. So let's go in and join the conversation that Nick and I are having. Hope you enjoy. So as we continue the conversation on the Holy Spirit, I, it, you know, this is just a topic that I personally could could talk about literally forever. Uh, the Holy Spirit is is the most powerful force in our lives. Yes, Christ, like Jesus and his work is, is key and foundational. And we can never, never move beyond that. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is the one who's with us. Like Jesus left his spirit with us. And it's extremely important that we understand or we seek to understand him in a way that actually impacts our daily lives it impacts every part of, of who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just love these conversations. And, and as we go and we move into uh, our conversation today on the Holy Spirit, I'd really like to talk about, and kind of, it's kind of a big scary word in, for maybe some of you or some people that are listening that don't necessarily understand church culture, mm-hmm. but really talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in 2019. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or you, you, you start to encounter, in a sense, the God's presence, what do those manifestations look like? What does that do to you inwardly? What does it do to you outwardly? As we look at some, some passages in Scripture and as we look at maybe church history mm-hmm. and as we look at different things that you and I have seen, things that have been healthy, even some things that have been unhealthy, I think it's really important as we as we need to pursue the Holy Spirit with our whole heart, yielding our minds and our decisions and our future to this person who's leading us, as we do that, it's extremely important that as we're pursuing Him, that we pursue Him with discernment and we pursue Him biblically, but we also pursue Him in a way that that allows us to really manifest Christ and not manifest church culture. Right. And so as we get going into this, is there any, any, any part of that that you want to... Just touch on as we get started. Yeah, I think, you know, as you're, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking there's, there's a difference between the manifestation and the tradition. Hmm. There's, there's a traditional act of manifesting of ways that we've seen in the past. And, and sometimes traditions start with places that we've experienced in the past that we then try and re-step into in the future. But then there's the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are just I mean, that's what we're all, I, I hope, is what we're all hungry after. Mm. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before, but the, the Holy Spirit really is the resurrection life. The Holy Spirit really is the empowered life. Jesus came and emptied himself and did everything that he did within his three years of ministry, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us we're going to go and do greater things than that because we're going to receive the same Spirit that raised him from dead and for most of us, we'll be walking with the Spirit for longer than three years of, of ministry in our life. So um, I just, I, I'm with you to where I get excited about these conversations because Holy Spirit is really, it's the conversation about the renewed life. It's the conversation about the, the walk of discipleship and, and just the road to becoming like Christ and having a life that is actually truly impactful for the kingdom of God. Uh, so I, I agree. I think that there's some great things to really highlight and then there's some things that we could talk about of maybe some pitfalls to avoid mm-hmm. that aren't poor things. It's not that people are on, you know, 
trying to run around and do this stuff, but sometimes it's so easy to fall into some of the the cultural things versus actual manifestations. So, um, you know, I'll start us off with just saying, when I think about a manifestation of, of the Holy Spirit, and really I think about like the first true place that we see like a great manifestation of the Spirit. Jesus gets baptized, goes down into the Jordan River. John the Baptist pulls him up. All of a sudden the skies open and the Holy Spirit ascends or descends like a dove onto him. Well, that's awesome. That's great. That's the, the moment that his ministry was, was enabled and empowered. But then there's something that happens immediately afterwards. What does it say right afterwards? says, Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to fast and pray. I, I think I like to start off there first and kind of open the conversation up there because oftentimes we think about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as good feelings, tingles, and, and all the, yeah, the goosebumps. Uh, but when we see it in Jesus' ministry, we see him immediately leading Jesus into a place of discomfort to test him, to try him, and to to purify him to live out the rest of his Christ-filled life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he is the Christ, but this is the Holy Spirit directing him for a very specific reason. And sometimes when we think about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we tend to forget about the, you know, 40 days in the wilderness of fasting and praying. Not that many people are going to be led to to that. Uh, I have heard pastors doing that in the past, but... I don't uh, recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the whole, you better know that you know that you Get know that it's the Holy Spirit. Gabriel or something <laughs> like that. Not Gabe Hulse, but Gabriel the angel. Yeah. But it, it, opening up with, with that kind of concept, I mean, where does that bring you? I think it it really puts it practically that the the Holy Spirit... His job, now, Jesus didn't, he, he did have temptation in the flesh, but he didn't sin or ever fall to the flesh because he's perfect, sinless. But at the same time, there's this crucifying of the flesh that you almost see in Jesus' life in the wilderness. And that's because that's what fasting is for. It's, it's, a, it's an outward expression of crucifying of our, of our appetite, of our fleshly appetite. And, and something that I was just thinking about uh, this past week was, Without death, there's no resurrection. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the resurrection power only falls on dead things. True. So it can't fall on a living thing because something that's living is living, and so it doesn't need a resurrection. True. And so there's this, this idea of the Holy Spirit that he, he works with and, and partners with people who lay down their life Mm. and he manifests himself in individuals not who come to the altar at a church service but who come to him with a a sincere heart that that sees the model of Jesus which is the laying down of one's life and says I too will lay down my life my fleshly desires my my the the destiny and purpose that I see for my life Mm. um, my fine all those things when we go to God and we yield and we, we crucify our flesh, we crucify this, this desire, that's what actually leads and invites this resurrection power. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not in, <laughs> in the services, it's in a, it's in a yielded life. It's in a, it's in a submitted, surrendered life 
that the manifestation or the outworking of the Spirit takes place. And this is, I can't even say it enough. It's not, you know, at times we feel it in church or we, we, may, we may say we encountered the Holy Spirit in church service or in a worship set. Or, but, and I agree that God does all of those things. But I would say that sometimes we attribute the feeling that we have in a church service to the environment when in reality it was a condition of our own hearts and where we're at and that we are yielded and God met us in a church service, but it was less to do about the, the worship set, the cho- song choice, or what the preacher was preaching. It has more to do with the condition of the individual's life to actually yield and surrender to God and God meets us. And it's this thing that we always talk about, which is like, like changing the wrong, like changing the wrong thing. So so many people they have this experience in church with the Holy Spirit, and so they think, well, I just like I just got to get back to church. You know, it's like, that's that's where it happened. And so that must be where the magic is. It's the levels of change where environment limit, or, or behavior. Mm-hmm. And so there's this lower level of thinking that the Holy Spirit only meets people and, and, and really shows himself strong in a worship set. When in reality, the condition that we try to set in our church services is where people can come in and they can be surrendered. And that's where the Holy Spirit meets them. But it's not in the church service. Right. It's in the condition of the heart. And so I don't know where that, that, that leads or sparks anything in you, but it's just something that's so powerful that when we talk about the manifestations or the, the outworkings or the visible um, experience that we have with, with God himself, mm-hmm. um, it, it's always just, intri- like as you mentioned, the resurrection power. It's not, it's, it's not about us getting it right. It's about us literally laying down our lives. Surrendering. Surrendering, yeah. It's, it's so interesting. So Rick Renner was here this weekend, and I don't know if he said it in both services, but in the 1130 service, he was talking about just the 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 crazy, amazing breakout of, of just, you know, people coming to Christ out in Russia. And he goes, if you ask any Christian out in Russia, they're, if you ask them what their salvation story is, they're not going to tell you what their salvation story is. No, none of them talk about the time that they prayed the prayer or... It, it all comes down to they talk about their repentance moment. Hmm. There was a moment in my life to where everything shifted, right? Repentance, metanoia, uh, it's how you know something. There's literally a laying down of their lives, and that's what they talk about. They don't talk about their, you know, their moment of I raised my hand, or not that those things are bad, but it, I just thought it was amazing because he goes, if anybody that you ask, at least within the circles that he's running with, and he's running with millions that have <laughs> given their life to Christ through, and it's legitimately that, they've given their life to Christ. Their life is no longer their own, right? Nevertheless, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me. And, and I just thought it was such an amazing, amazing thing to hear of people not talking about their quote-unquote salvation moment, but their repentance moment to where they learned what it looked like to surrender. And when we surrender, it's like you said, the Holy Spirit comes on and resurrects anything that's dead. And it's going, we have to die to ourselves. We have to pick up that cross and bear it daily in order to come into a place where we're walking with the Spirit on a daily basis. Because both are a daily thing. It's a daily surrender and then a daily resurrection. And if we don't surrender, then there's nothing to resurrect. And then we're walking a day kind of in our own, you know, fleshly motives. And it's like Paul coming into the Galatians going, are you so foolish that you try and finish in the flesh what started in the spirit? 
It's going like die to yourself. Die to yourself because the Spirit will resurrect it and it will give you life to be able to go and, and actually live out like Christ. And then the other thing that you were talking about is, you know, you were bringing up the levels of change, which if you, anybody that's listening, if they haven't heard, we go through that in our, our freedom training and in our freedom foundations. We also did a, a message on it way back in the day on, uh, at Access that they could find on YouTube. But the different levels that people try and approach, and, and oftentimes when we come and we encounter the Spirit in a certain way, we think that that's the way that we have to chase after next time. Whether it's in the, the worship service or whether it's, you know, Pastor Jake prayed over me and, and I just felt a move of the Spirit. Well, then I'm going to be first in line for Pastor Jake to pray over me next time. And it's going, no, 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 no. The Spirit moved not because somebody prayed. The Spirit moved not because those things help, right? Creating an atmosphere for the Spirit to move is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's something that our, our worship leaders are, are gifted with and talented with to be able to create an atmosphere to where people could be vulnerable enough to step out in full surrender. But it's the surrender that counts. You can have the same experience in your in your bedroom, you know, in the, the, I talk about it all the time and Emily always gets really weirded out when I talk about this, but in the shower, you know, like I have, I have so many different shower experiences because it's just this place to where I, I just surrender and I'm just sitting there mentally just setting my mind on the Holy Spirit and going, God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to do in me today? What motives do you want to reveal in my heart today? And what things do you want to do through me today? And those places of surrender, those places of coming before the Lord and just going, God, you can have it all. And, and legitimately meaning it. And, and also understanding that we don't always know what that fully entails. So we need to be open to whatever he brings up. Um, but it's an important thing because that's where the Spirit meets us. The Spirit always meets desperation. Hmm. I also think that that's why you see so many people who hit rock bottom have incredible, incredible encounters with the Lord. It doesn't mean you have to hit rock bottom, but for some people, it's not until they hit rock bottom that they actually hit the desperation that the Holy Spirit is looking to move on. Yeah. And if we were to just approach every single day with desperation of approaching it, of going, God, on my own power, I'm nothing. I need you. I die to myself today. I crucify everything that I have. I hand it all over to you. If you want to take that, go ahead and take it. That's where he moves. I just think it's a beautiful thing. It's also the, it's the most difficult thing that we've ever done. But at the end of the day, if we do it, then we realize how difficult it actually was to carry ourself <laughs> in thinking that we could do it on our own. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're, in a lot of ways, our, our own biggest problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I know I just reiterated a lot of what you're saying, no. but I just think what you said is, is just crucial. And, and kind of what this circles back to is the Holy Spirit moves on, on and, he, and He does. I mean, there's these moments that I've had with God in corporate worship set in spaces. Moments that I've had with God that, that really did have a true impact on my life. Mm -hmm. Where it, it, it was evident that the Holy Spirit was doing something within me in a corporate setting. And, and not that I, because I, I don't want to ignore those things or even uh, discourage people from experiencing the Holy Spirit in a corporate setting. 
I guess that what I, where I get to is, is what I'm rallying back to you is like what I see in culture is that so many people are having, having quote unquote God moments or encounters in public spaces, but there's not a encounter when no one, like when there's not a corporate space, when they're alone mm-hmm. and it's just them and God and no one's leading them into an encounter with a worship set in a, in a, in a ministry time and a, you know, all, and that's where I think it really scares me to be honest with you mm-hmm. is because we have a very uh, emotional culture right. with so many people in depression, so many people uh, struggling with anxiety and God does like God hates depression. God hates anxiety, but at the same time, he doesn't hate the people that are experiencing. No, no, no. He, he hates, hates the, the, that it's tormenting, the tormenting his, his kids. Children, yeah. He hates that he's tormenting his kids. And and in a lot of ways, the charismatic Pentecostal movement, not in a lot of ways, but what can happen is we create these environments with loud music, and and, and mm-hmm. music is emotional and it triggers emotion, and and so people have encounters, but they don't take the encounter into their personal relationship. Yep. And that's the scary point, the scary part of public moments is it can fool us to think that that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And that's the main point. But in my life, the things that have really changed me, there's probably, I would say probably two or three, I'd say three corporate like moments where where the Holy Spirit moved on me powerfully, like powerfully. And the reason I can look back now, there's other moments that I thought he moved on me powerfully, but it never translated to, to actionable steps in my own mm-hmm. personal life. And so one was I was in eighth grade and I was in, on a trip in, with the youth group. And like, and I tell this story in the past, but you know, in the past when I was growing up, like I grew up at Res, so I always heard about speaking in tongues, and I would always fake it. You know, <laughs> I just felt like I had to speak in tongues, so I'd fake it and just speak gibberish. You know what I mean? And then in eighth grade, I got we got it was in a service, and we got prayer, and and they prayed over me, and I just remember the Holy Spirit meeting me in such a close and personal way, and I started, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I got I just started speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and it was powerful not only in that moment. But something shifted in me to where I actually started to have personal relationship with God, whereas before it was much more distant and religious and family-oriented as opposed to personal-oriented. And it's moments like that. And then moments, another moment I had in, in, high, in, in college when I was 19. And another moment just a few years back when I was uh, at a conference and it was just the Holy Spirit was it was so meeting me in a way that exceeded anything I could ever explain. You know, I could try to explain it right now, but it was just so personal and close to me. And in all of those moments, it led to a deeper hunger of experiencing and knowing God when no one was looking, mm-hmm. when no one was around. A deeper hunger for the Word, a deeper hunger for truth, a deeper hunger for for really just having a life that's that's submitted to God. And to kind of bring it back, that's my, if I, I don't want to say fear because I'm not afraid, but in, in a sense, a worry that I have of the corporate settings to where we have these encounter moments and they don't translate to personal relationship, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, in life transformation, right? Yeah. And, and I would even, 
this is the part of the, the <laughs> conversation where we start stepping on people's toes, is going, I, I would even almost say that if, if the only encounters that somebody is having is corporate encounters, and they're, if there isn't any lasting fruit, then I start to challenge whether or not they were, they were authentic encounters. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and, and move on us just to give us the giggles. Yeah, there doesn't, is. Yeah, yeah. I you know, totally doesn't agree. doesn't come and move on us just to give us an emotional high. And if there's no lasting fruit, like you're saying, if it doesn't push you into the Word, if it doesn't push you into your personal conversations with the Lord, and, and to a personal degree, not the corporate degree, and the repentance and, that you're talking about, exactly. And there's all sorts of different things that should be showing up in your life to to be evidence of. It says that you will know them by their fruit, right? And and we can look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And for most of those, we could start to read them as emotions. Oh, it says joy. We're supposed to be so happy. Well, actually, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. I don't think it was an emotional, I think that there may have been emotions with it. But it appears as if joy was something different for Jesus in the moment. Because I don't think he was on the cross giggling. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> and, and we can start to build these ideas of the movements of the Spirit as, as emotions. And, and then also you have this other side of things to where if we have the quote-unquote experience with the Holy Spirit in the corporate setting, it's so, and not even that this is a conscious thing for people to start chasing after, but those tend to be the things that people come alongside you and give you a big attaboy. Oh man, that was amazing. Whoa, you were laid out for, for 30 minutes or dude, you got the giggles, man. Holy Spirit's doing something in your life. And it's going, man, if I could say something to like, to us access as the corporate church, it's going, Let's celebrate lasting fruit yeah. versus celebrating momentary uh, emotional highs. Yeah. Exactly. And it's going, that's awesome. Let's follow up in, in three weeks and see what that did inside of you after this service. Uh, not going, oh my word, you fell over. You should have seen how you fell over. And those things aren't bad. Has the, has the spirit moved in ways that have knocked people over? I truly believe it. Um, is that the primary role of the spirit? Absolutely not. Did the Spirit move in ways? The last Kairos, Emily and I were up front. We were praying with someone who came up with absolute sorrow. They came up with literally the spirit of heaviness on them. They were bent over, just like sorrowful. By the end of praying and asking Holy Spirit to come and meet them, they were literally in tears, laughing and filled with, with an emotional joy, but a joy that actually spoke to the things that they were going through that actually brought revelation that gave them a new perspective. What's repentance? Thinking in a completely different way. Actually, there was repentance that came with the joy that caused them to look at all the situations that they had come up with with sorrow in a completely different way and actually seeing God's hand on those situations. So it's going, you know, as far as the, the corporate thing that's that's great when God moves in a corporate manner but we shouldn't be just celebrating those things when I think about all the different times not all but 
a majority of the times to where God truly met me, to where Holy Spirit came in and poked at something in my heart, revealed something over my life, either plans and destiny or hurts and wounds that he wanted to speak to. Those moments were all by myself in my car, by myself out on a bike ride, by myself, you know, in those morning moments, by my... It's the, when you look through scripture, when did the still small, small voice come? When he was alone in the cave. When did the voice come at night? When he was sleeping in his bed. When did, you know, like Moses had to go up to the top of Mount Sinai to get the voice from the Lord. There's all these encounters where God truly radically changed people and brought destiny, purpose, and life into their life that happened on an individual basis. It says that Moses would go into the tent and talk to God face to face as a man talks to a friend. That's, that's our picture of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know, I think there's a way that, you know, because what we don't, what we don't want to do in this is to discourage people from being passionate. No, not at all. Or, or energetic or excited about corporate church settings. Mm-hmm. Because in a, in, in a way... Because there's this thing that we we hold to very dearly, which is we want our we want our services to be spirit led. Absolutely. And so, we need to be spirit led. But the, the the challenging part that that as church leaders and as 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 people who are who are leading services in a sense is that what is spirit led? Mm-hmm. You know, some people have the the perspective that it's all spontaneous. Some people are like, oh, it's got to be, it's got, it has to look a certain way because we've all had, to go back to levels of change, we've all had our experiences mm-hmm. with Holy Spirit or with God, and we want the future experiences to feel like, look like, taste like the ones we've had in the past instead of really asking the question of, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? Mm-hmm. What are you doing now? What do you want to do now? What do you want to do in me? And so now, I don't want to discourage a passion. Actually, I think this, in a way, for me, stirs up passion. It should. It stirs up passion because now my, my prayer in a corporate setting, because the, the, I don't know who I heard this from, but you know, there's something beautiful. So I, I, I'm married, mm-hmm. Abby. Is my wife. If you're listening to this, Abby, I love you. You're amazing, beautiful wife, amazing mother. So we spend time alone, mm-hmm. and we our relationship is 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 based on, and its core uh, fuel is when her and I are alone, whether it's it's going on dates or whether it's just talking at home or whether it's 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 raising Remmer, our child, or mm-hmm. or you know, and then there's the deeper intimate parts of our marriage. Mm-hmm which is the sexual part of our marriage. And it's the deep, intimate part of, of that God designed within marriage so that she and I can connect in a way that I'll never connect with anyone else on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I love connecting with Abby in all sorts of ways. And, and there's that, that, that alone time that I need, need, need. Mm-hmm. But now there's another part of Abby that when she gets in a social setting, we were just at her, her parents yesterday and she was telling stories and she's a great storyteller, much like her dad. And She's got her whole family laughing. And when I just watch that, like there's a part of, I get to know a different aspect of Abby mm-hmm. when I'm in a corporate setting. Now, but if I only ever connect and relate in 
and know Abby in a corporate setting, then we're not, that's not a marriage. Right. So there's, it, no intimacy. there's no intimacy. And so that's where, you know, it's like, God, I know you, me and you, but now I get to go experience a whole new side of you mm-hmm. in this corporate setting and it, it, kind of relating it to a marriage. Um, and that's where the passion in me stirs up. Cause I say, God, what do you, like, this is going to be incredible. Like, God, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this body? What are you doing in our, this group of people that are, that are running after you, God? What are you doing? What, who do you want to heal? What do you want to say, God? How do you want to challenge us? And, and, and then the, the, with the motivation of God, whatever happens here, I'll take home with me. Because right. now I go home with Abby, and I'm telling her, I'm like, babe, when you said that, like, because so, whatever happens in corporate doesn't stay corporate. It goes back to the, to the, the, the private. Right. And that's the beautiful part that I think should stir passion in us is everything, anything and everything that we experience corporately should be taken back to the private, mm-hmm. back to the private relationship. Yeah. And, you know, me saying what I was saying earlier, I'm not trying to push people away or trying to quench or, you know, yeah. squelch anybody's, like quench, yeah, anybody's passion or desire. No, I, what I hope that it does is is brings an authentic desire wow. to authentically honestly while you're while you were saying that that whole stint about you and Abby's relationship is going when you think about a marriage relationship one of the biggest killers and I, I have a reason for going in this I it's going to sound really off topic at first one of the biggest killers to marriage to marriages out there is pornography is because people are feasting on a uh, a, a set up, uh, unauthentic manifestation of what sexual intimacy is supposed to look like. Take that into our, our marriage relationship with Christ, our marriage relationship with the Holy Spirit, and the covenant that we've entered into with the Holy Spirit. Is people start looking out to seeing what other things are doing and then bringing in preconceived notions. It's why it destroys marriages is because you have men and women bringing into their marriage. You know, you have women out there that are reading Fifty Shades of Grey, bringing into their marriage an unhealthy expectation for what that's supposed to look like in the intimacy of their bedroom. And when we when we constantly are looking out and we're trying to do things based off of the, the tradition of church, a move of the Spirit supposed to look like this. Uh, uh, you know, uh, fruit of the Spirit supposed to look like this. Supposed to look like this. Supposed to look like this. Then we're bringing in a, a falsified version, a preconceived notion of what it's supposed to look like. And now we've actually, we've almost essentially brought the same type of mishap, confusion, and preconceived notions into our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then we start, quote-unquote, manifesting in ways that we think are supposed to be the manifestations while not actually having the true intimacy within the bedroom. Does, does that make sense? Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Totally. Is going. I'm, my reason for bringing up this stuff isn't to point fingers, isn't to judge, isn't to condemn, but it's to release people, hopefully, into a thought process of what does it look like to get to where you were just talking about your relationship with Abby getting to the place where it's now truly going, Holy Spirit, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. That's going to look different than how it looked in, you know, Joe Smith across the way during worship. It's going to look different than the person that was sitting next to me. It's going to look different than, you know, my wife, Emily. The way that you and I are going to commune, Holy Spirit, is going to be completely unique to us. 
Doesn't mean it's going to be weird. Doesn't mean it's going to be something that no one understands. But it does mean that there's an authentic way that Holy Spirit wants to meet us. And it's only when we surrender. Because if we're going in with the preconceived notions, we haven't surrendered. We're once again going back to Paul's talk to uh, to the Galatians. You're trying to finish in the flesh what started in the Spirit. We're going back to trying to manifest things on our own might. And we can't manifest a move of the Spirit. We can manifest emotions really well. All of us do that extremely well. It's called drama. It's called this. It's called that. But to have a true manifestation of the Spirit requires us to go back to where we started this episode off at, of surrender, of going, God, I'm going to choose today to say, I may have known how you were going to, uh, how you impacted me yesterday, but I don't know how you're going to impact me today. So I release everything. I release my previous notions of who you are based off of our experiences. And I only carry on the true notion that I know that you're going to meet me today. So what do you want to do? Let's be intimate. You know, I was listening to a, 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 short, a short video by, uh, by a guy named, I think his name is Bob Sorge. Mm. Bob Sorge? Yeah, Bob Sorge. So he did this amazing. five minute video that he posted on YouTube. It's, it's just incredible. So he, he, he uses, five, it's like a dramatic with music and it's really powerful. And he's speaking very softly, kind of as a soft, very soft voice. But he lays out this truth that within the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, um, there's different accounts to Jesus' life. And very, well, you'll notice if you've read the Bible and you've read the Gospels specifically that there's, there's very little, like there's congruency, but there's something that's in Matthew is not going to be in John. Mm-hmm. Something in John is missing in Mark, and there's something in Luke that's not in Mark. You know, So there's, there's a collection of different stories and accounts of Jesus' life from the miracles and all that stuff. So the only teaching that Jesus gave that's in all four Gospels, mm-hmm. there's one teaching that he gave that's in all four. And it says, if you want to save your life, you must lose your life. Mm. And anyone who tries to save their life will lose their life. And and it's just like I was listening to this dramatic, this very powerful message that he's giving, and I'm just like, holy moly, we've... I think we've missed it. <laughs> I mean, like we're we're trying to incorporate Jesus in and incorporate Holy Spirit in, and He's like, no, you don't understand. The only way to find who you are, yeah. find your life, find our life, who is Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Find our life, who is is the Holy Spirit in a sense. We have to be willing to lose our life, yeah. meaning we lose our our traditions, our understandings, our 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 sin, mm-hmm. we have to lose our, our pride, we have to lose our insecurities, we have to lose our, our need for control, we have to people lose people-pleasing. Like, not that we can do that in a moment, but it's really a heart condition. It's not necessarily a action as opposed to an attitude of the heart or the mind, mm-hmm. which says, God, like my life is yours. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. It's yours. And it just reminds me of that, that, you know, and the thing is, is that as we do that, like, holy, like, it's like God is like waiting for that. And as soon as he sees that heart condition, he's like, sick him, Holy Spirit. He's like, go get him. You know? See, he thinks he understands me now, but now I want you to go and I want you to blow his mind with how good I am. And, and that's when we really, truly encounter him 
and we really truly understand the truth and we see the beauty of the kingdom and living for God on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I just love that we're having this conversation of you know the Holy Spirit and we're connecting it to the dying of self. Because you know it says in Romans and it says in other places is that the, it says the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. Right. It says the mind set on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Mm-hmm. And there's just this constant, not that it's a war, that, but it is an internal war that we have, which is what are we going to live for? Are we going to live for ourselves? Are we going to live for the kingdom? Are we going to live with this spiritual realm that we can't see, that isn't totally logical from a, from a, world, a worldly perspective, but that is necess- like really truly necessary for us to live a daily life that's reflecting and glorifying God in, in every way. Not that we're perfect, but once again, it's that heart condition that says, even when I do screw up, even when I do mess up, even when I do like right fall into anything, there's a getting up and a moving towards Christ, not a getting up and being okay with where we are. So, The beautiful thing too is, is we don't have to you know, here we are, we're saying, oh, we have to die to ourselves. we have to lose our life, we have to, in, in, I know that there is plenty of times, and I still come to this, you know, you, you walk it for a little bit, and you're like, I feel like I know what dying to myself looks like, and then you come to a place where you're like, God, I don't really, I, I feel like I'm just not right now, and I don't know what to do. And that's a beautiful thing, is, is going like, if we give Holy Spirit an inch, He'll help us give Him a mile, you know, like, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the, the helper. He is our intercessor. Hmm. He comes in to help us do things that we can't do on our own might. So it's not going, you have to have everything in order of, I know what it looks like to fully pick up my cross and bear it daily. But it is going, give him what you can, like what you understand to give him. Mm, that's good. And then go, Holy Spirit, help me. Right? The guy coming up to Jesus going, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, yeah. you know, like it's going, Holy Spirit, I want to give my life to you. I at least give you this moment. Help me to give you this day. And then, Holy Spirit, I give you this day. Help me to give you my life. And, and he walks us on a journey because all of discipleship is a journey. Peter was on a journey. Paul was on a journey. You look at all... Anybody of significance, we are all on journeys. Uh, and I, I truly believe we're all significant in the kingdom. But what I'm saying is going, there's, there's incremental moves of going, okay, I know that I can at least surrender this right now. I, don't even, I can't even make sense of the rest of my life. That doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's interceding for you. And it's in relationship with Him that He will help you get to the next set. But... If you don't authentically submit, then you've not given them an inch to be able to help you give them a mile. It's hmm. an important perspective for anyone anyone to have, which is like, don't take your don't take ourselves too seriously in the sense of, I have to get my life all like all, all of it in order, and I have to figure everything out. It's it's just one step at a time. You just give them give them what you know, give them what we can. I think it's a great practical perspective for for myself and for anyone listening which is God's, don't worry, God's got you. God's got us. Like He's not afraid. He knows right where we are. And as soon as we, we shift that heart perspective towards him on the daily basis, right? And that, I can't emphasize that enough to, to you and to me that if this isn't a daily thing, 
not that you need to go in your prayer closet for an hour daily, but in the sense of like, if our relationship with God isn't a daily thing, then we're really limiting anything that God really wants to do in our life. Not that I'm trying to condemn anyone who's not, I, but I am saying like Jesus is our model and Jesus, he never took a day off. Like he, he didn't, didn't take a day off. It's like, oh, I just need some time for myself to Netflix and you know catch up on, on Grey's Anatomy and catch up on <laughs> on these different it's like no, like like no, you don't take a break from relationship, yeah. you know? And uh and I'm not saying to be super religious in everything we do, but I am saying that the consistency is I, I think God rewards in a sense the consistency because it shows our faith and it shows that we that we truly believe that God will meet us because he will. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith is impossible to please God for you must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. So there's this faith component in this this this, this uh, passion component that says, you know, if I, if I go to God every day, he'll meet me every day. Even if I don't feel that he met me, He'll meet me. When I go to church, he'll meet me at church. And I'll meet him in a way that I haven't met him when I was alone with him, but I'll meet him in a way that encourages me, inspires me, to, so that when I go back to him when we're alone, it's it's like it, it's so much more beautiful, fuller picture of who he is. Yeah. Well, Nick, I could probably keep talking to you about the Holy Spirit for another hour, but... <laughs> Episode 3, coming next known. <laughs> for time's sake. Uh, we're going to be closing up here, but you just want to leave everyone with just one last thought, one one final thought, just about... Holy Spirit about a practical application to this conversation. Uh, You know, I don't want to kick a dead horse, so to speak. But, I mean, if there's one thing that I could really encourage everybody on is is that Holy Spirit's not an emotion. Hmm. Holy Spirit's not, you know, anything that we make Him out to be except for legitimately the power, the love, and the life of God coming in to empower us to look more like Jesus and to make earth look more like heaven. Hmm. And we need to become a culture that celebrates lasting fruit of people looking like Christ. Not to neglect people that are on the journey. Those that are looking like Christ are still on a journey. But in our culture of celebrating, let's celebrate lasting fruit and not just the, the emotional highs uh, that we can all end up on. I know I've been there multiple times. So there's a, a very real invitation that Holy Spirit's giving of wanting true authenticity, true surrender, and just true lifelong love and relationship with each and every individual, myself, yourself, Pastor Dwayne, you know, any other spiritual giant that you could think of, uh, wants it with every single person. Holy Spirit's actively pursuing us all. And uh, if we would just be open to allowing him to meet us how he wants to meet us versus how we think he's going to meet us, it will actually blow our mind because he's so much grander, so much greater, and so much beyond anything that we could ever think, ask, or imagine. Yeah. Well, as we close here, I'll leave one, one last thought that I had, which was let's keep, let's keep passion and pursuit at really one of our highest values of pursuing truth, pursuing the Holy Spirit, because you can't pursue truth without the Holy Spirit, and to really pursue a life that that honors God, glorifies God, 
and a life that is beyond ourselves. Because as we talked about in the past, the Holy Spirit is with us to make us look like Christ. And if we're going to look like Christ, it's going to look way better than what we're looking like right now. Mm-hmm. Not outwardly, inwardly in, in the fruit that we see. So let's keep a passion and a zeal for God that is, that is authentic, that's genuine, and that uh, values to the highest degree the personal connection and uh, with God when no one's looking. So, so thank you guys so much for, for listening to part two of the uh, discussion or conversation on the Holy Spirit. And keep your ears out for, for future podcasts and topics. If you have a topic that you want us to talk about, you can message us on Instagram or you could just talk to us personally on, on a Thursday night. So thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day wherever you are. See ya.